0: Firstfruits. We're going to uh, take up the offering at the end of the service, which is not going to be too long today. But today is what we do. Something that we do every year is uh, Firstfruits, which is very scriptural. Now, I can take you into Leviticus and I can show you how God set up the Firstfruits offering with the Levitical priests. And then your religious mind is probably going to say, yeah, but the law was abolished when Jesus died on the cross. So what I thought I would do is I'm going to talk to you a little bit differently um, to on purpose mess with you. Because I'm more interested about the culture of heaven than in your theology. Your theology is going to talk you out of being generous with God. When God has been more generous than with with all of us and us each one personally, more than we could even understand in this lifetime. And we will marvel for all of eternity at the generosity of God, wondering how that God would do such a thing and pay all for sinners. How would he see beauty and not just be generous, but be extravagantly generous with the best he had to redeem lost sons and daughters. Okay, so if you have your Bibles or your, your, your uh, tablets or your phones, come with me to Genesis chapter four. <clears throat> when God created the garden and Adam was in the garden and later followed by Eve via some ribs, you know, I figured that, like, you know, since God took Adam's rib, that man's been trying to get that rib back f- since that time. And that's why I think that, you know, barbecue ribs are one of the favorite items on most menus. It's like, subliminally, there's just something about ribs that men like. And I, I, I just wonder where that came from. But anyway, that's, that's not spiritual at all. That's just... That's just because you look better laughing for me. <laughs> but but God had this amazing relationship with Adam, and we're actually not told a lot about what the garden relationship between Adam and Eve with God looked like. We're told that in the cool of the day, a wind would blow or a breeze would blow, and God would come into the garden. And he would fellowship with Adam and Eve. What we're not told is how many years that was. It could have been thousands of years. We don't know. We're not told the specifics. It just said that he would come and commune and fellowship with them. It doesn't really. But, you know, God didn't come and play tiddlywinks with them. You know what I'm saying? He didn't. When God does anything, he is so intentionally architecturally purposed. He's so strategically planned That God just doesn't turn up and sip tea with you just for the sake of sipping tea. He's coming in to have specific conversations. And I would propose to you that God taught them about the eternal realm. He taught them about heaven. They experienced the spiritual realm on measures that most of us haven't even grasped yet. But all we're told is that in the cool of the day, a breeze would blow and God would come into the garden. But if you fast forward, when the serpent comes and beguiles Eve, and then Eve deceives her or, or talks her husband in to having that fruit, whatever that fruit was, look like or tasted, and they realize their nakedness, God enters the garden, and there's Adam crouched over with his fig leaf trying to look fashionable, and... <laughs> miserably fashionable and God says hey man that looks really stupid what are you doing and he's like I was hiding and God was like I've just been teaching you for the last thousand years that I can see everything what happened because sin makes you dumb but anyways that's a whole nother afterwards just go out and have some ribs you'll forget all about it so (laughs) So, so so God has this moment where he's like I'm supposed to kill you right now but I'm going to kill this animal or animals, I'm not sure. But depending on their size and I'm sure they were in shape because they were perfect and they didn't have Weight Watchers back then that God may have had to kill a couple of animals. Okay. He, and he had a sacrifice with them and, he, and, he, and the innocent died for the guilty first time. And so God made a way And commence them on a very difficult journey that we're still a part of right now. Okay. Now that brings us to chapter 4. Let's read from verse 1. So outside the garden under the curse. Now Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again and this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep. Now I just need to stop you there. This is one of those moments where it's like, and God came in with the breeze and the cool of the day and talked with him. That doesn't tell me a lot. It just fast forwards me. It's like one of those movies where it just evolves in front of you and like 50 years have passed and the dude's sitting there all hobbled over at the table. Because I'm pretty sure that that Abel didn't come out as a toddler and just start running around with the sheep. You get what I'm saying? He grew into a young boy and, and and an adolescent and I'm not sure how old he was, so let's just say that he was somewhere in his teens or in his early 20s, okay? But Abel was a keeper of sheep. What it doesn't say in this passage is every time they sat at the dinner table, Adam and Eve would start telling the stories of God. They would start telling their boys the amazing adventures they'd had with God. They would start telling those boys the culture of heaven. They would start telling them the nature of God and how God showed them mercy. They would talk about the angels with the fiery swords that saw them out of the garden, but they would also talk about God's honor and God's character and God's personality. They told them everything, I guarantee it. They had these amazing conversations Because they didn't have cable and they didn't have Wi-Fi. They sat around and talked about God. Can you see it? Cain and Abel, although they never were in the garden, had this amazing landscape in their mind and hearts about who it was that God is. They were told what pleased God, what displeased God they were told about what kind of person he is. And they were probably told about the eternal realm. Let's carry on reading. So Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock And they're fat. Stop right there. Who told them to bring an offering to God? There was no offering that we see that Adam and Eve made. Who told them that God liked offerings? Have you ever thought about this before? Because there wasn't the books of Moses. There wasn't the Levitical law talking about you better kill an animal when you sin. None of that was there. We, we sometimes, with our culture and our, our privilege that we can open the book and read all the books, we forget sometimes that people actually didn't have the perspective. When Isaac and, and Abraham walked up the mountain, there wasn't necessarily the reflection of the Scriptures that, hey, it's going to be all right. He's a good, good father. Didn't you hear the song in church? <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? He, he went up there in faith, knowing that God is good as a friend. So here we are, and Cain and Abel are bringing an offering to God. Let me propose this to you, because Adam and Eve had taught them about the culture in heaven, that God is a God of offerings, and tribute, and even then, the angels were tributing to him in heaven. Get this. Because they did not make this up. This wasn't Build-A-Bear down at South Coast Plaza where they think, oh, we'll just throw a little bit of this in there and a little bit of that. Let's create a church. Because if God is a God of mercy and grace, if God hadn't told Adam and Eve about his nature, then why would have he been displeased with Cain? Let's read on. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Now that's an interesting thought because we've not been given a framework to look at this we just read the story and like, oh yeah, Cain screwed up. Abel was a good dude. But they'd been taught about what pleased God outside the law, before the laws of Moses. Adam and Eve, get this guys, in the in the most pure and innocent form of relationship, Adam and Eve had discovered what God liked. And even though they messed up, they saw the beauty of his nature that found a way of escape for them. So they didn't get struck down. And in that, they still had a reverence for God, not a resentment. Because if they had have had a resentment, I just want to break this down for you so some of your mindsets get shifted here. If they had have had a resentment, their children would have also had a resentment. And they would have never brought an offering to God. They had a respect for God and they had a longing in their heart to get their friend back. So they taught their sons what pleased him before legalism showed up. Because God is a God of relationship, not legalism. So once a year we do something, called we bring God our tithes every week, but once a year we feel here that as a church, we bring God our first fruits. Because outside of the legal structure, we want relationship. Now, it goes on to say here, <coughs> and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. When you know to do what's right with God and you don't do it and expect God to bless you and God doesn't bless you, somehow God's the bad guy. But if you want God to say, I see what you're doing here and I like it and I'm smelling this aroma of your offering to me, now I can release the floodgates of heaven to bless you. Now, is the blessing available? Yes. But why did Jesus tell the story about 30, 60, or 100 fold? Because there's different measures of blessing. Like I said, not everyone gets the toy and the happy meal in heaven. Well, they do probably because it's going to be a happy meal in heaven. The Feast of the Lamb's happy. There's no discouragement in heaven. But do you get what I'm saying? Some will get rewarded for their works and others will just get in scraping it in, the Bible tells us. Having everything that they thought they were doing being destroyed because it was never God's will. We can go scriptural now if you want. But I want to be a son that doesn't just say thank you but bows down with my life and gives above and beyond the requirement. We don't live with a calculator figuring out how much should we give to God. It's all His anyways. Who told you it was yours? What lie did you eat? It all belongs to God. So we just believe that, you know, I have people that come up to me, it's like, I need a... I need a, I've got a very serious spiritual question for you. And I'm like, I brace up. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm getting ready for like Satan appeared in their room and he tried to threaten them, whatever. And they're like, is the tithe gross or net? And that's where I have to operate in the spirit of self-control. <laughs> it's Neither if that's how you're going to treat God. Do you want God to be legalistic with you or do you want Him to be in a generous, doting Father? I don't need another legalist in my life. I need a daddy. And I'm not going to walk into my wife and say, did you do the dishes? Did you cook my dinner? Dude, that ain't going to help anybody especially me. <laughs> but I'm going to walk in and say, "Hey, can I make dinner?" <laughs> can I pick you anything up when I'm out? Do I have to do any of those things? No, I don't. I work hard. She works hard too. I'm not taking away from she works probably harder than I do. She's she's the superhero of our house with those kids. It's amazing. But, this is my point, if I start straining out, that's your responsibility and this is mine, then that ain't a marriage, that's an agreement. And I don't want a legal agreement with God. I want a relationship with God. And I want to bless Him and I want God to gasp. I want God to shed a tear. It sounds funny, but that's what I want. Because, you know, I don't want to just be like, there you go, waiter, you did a good job. I think I'll give you 17.5%. The last guy I gave 14 because I didn't like what they did. God doesn't need that in his life. Where's that thing that Anton? Uh, for that my, my son, say, come here, bring it, bring it here. here. My little boy had a birthday recently, and Anton gave him a gift, and this is what my little boy did as a thank you for his gift. Do you understand how much that moves Anton? Does it make you want to buy him another gift?
1: So many.
0: You don't have to, but look at that is yellow and brown and blue and his name Benjamin multiple fonts thanks he's into fonts so my son is just prophesying over him just new times roman <laughs> you you don't want the opposite. You want that. You want to come and move God. And it's not a number. I I saw an article on my phone. I get lost in those feeds sometimes, and it's awesome. Those little video feeds. You click on one. Oh, this looks like an interesting article. 30 minutes later, it's like, dude, the world is ending. (laughs) But I saw this article, and it almost made me cry yesterday because it was this it was this church somewhere in the, I think it was in Chicago or somewhere. And a riot had broken out in church because the pastor had started telling everyone that they all needed to give an X amount of money. And then he started tearing them like a salesman. If you can't do that, you need to do this. And I just about cried because I'm like, you devil, you are a devil from hell that would try and use God's name to take money from people. You never take money from people, they give it to God. But in the same way, you can't structure what you give to God. You have to out of the abundance of your heart. Each each of us in this room are at different, uh, different financial situations, but we have to give to God out of a place of relationship, not obligation. Because if you want legalism from God, that is not the face of God you want to see. That is not the face of God you want to see. You want to see the father who's just opened up. He's just opened up this. This just comes up before his throne. And he's just like... (laughs) (laughs) See, that's why I love the story about Cornelius, who was a Gentile who gave to the poor. The Bible says he was a God-fearing man. He was not invited into the covenant. And God broke the rules... Because giving was done with generosity to God. Not because He was required to. He already paid His taxes. He was taking care of the ones that couldn't take care of themselves. And God did something about it. We've got to get past our religious Christianity and start walking as sons and daughters. Because I think some of the biggest orphans are the ones that have the most father, heart, sons and daughter teachings. Because you hear them start talking about giving and you're like, you're in poverty. you got all the theology up the yin yang, but you ain't got any authenticity with daddy. Get what I'm saying? I'm not trying to beat up on anyone. I'm not trying to dig at anyone either. So please don't try and, who's that? I don't really care. You can guess what you want. I'm not really trying to dig at anyone in particular. I'm trying to get you to connect with God. Where he sees a piece of paper. Because let me just tell you this. The Benjamin Franklin, that doesn't buy you anything in heaven. But you can touch God's heart in heaven with it. And you can open up the heavens. So we've done this every year since we opened this church. And we have watched significant breakthroughs in response to the first fruit offerings. My wife and I have watched it. Pastor Jeff's seen it. And I've already called you two times. But I'm going to get you to come and share again real quick. <laughs> I want you to share just real briefly because you came from a culture that had zero generosity in it and you came from total poverty in church and you met me and you thought I was loopy. Crazy. Loco. Little bit. Very strange. But I want you to share real, real quickly what, what you've noticed in your life over the last few years as you've given to God and the offerings at the First Fruits.
1: Yeah. Um. So I have uh, my own creative agency, branding, design. But I didn't have that when I showed up here. In fact, I didn't have any prospects for a job, let alone any belief that God could bless me or help me pay my bills. And um, it was conversations with Andrew where he would start to stoke. It it, it encouraged me, number one, because I had someone in my life that would speak the truth to me about what God was trying to say to me. But I wasn't able to hear from God because I'd grown up and been bashed about being poor my whole life because that's what I grew up in, um, and I'd seen God show up, deliver groceries on the doorstep, pay rent miraculously, things like that, but that was my level of what I thought God could do, was that I was going to scrape by for my entire life, that I was never going to have enough in the bank to help someone else out because I was just going to get by enough to pay for my own bills. Um, so I had faith, but it wasn't, it wasn't until I met Andrew that I, he started to show me that the same amount of faith can believe for a little or for a lot. Um, but what you do with what you have in your hand, your seed is actually where you'll start to see breakthrough, and so he, he encouraged me for a number of months to freelance, and then to start my own business, and I was like, this is crazy, you're crazy, and then God t- woke me up and told me to do it, and I was like, you're crazy, And uh, but okay, I'll do this, and, and during that time, I was sewing, and I was sewing, and one of the things that I was doing even then, I didn't no one had told me to do this, I was just doing it, was that, I would because it's kind of the thing where some people say they live paycheck to paycheck. Well, that's what I do, but it's also very different because you're not sure when the paycheck's coming. Because you have to go find the client, then you have to land the client, then you have to do the project. And I would uh, sow 10% or the the tithe on the first deposit. So they would deposit 50% of the project or 25% of the project, and I would immediately tithe the, the full amount of the tithe for the whole project then. And what I started to see was that God would bring more projects. And by the time I was finished with that project, another one would come. And it wasn't just more of the same project. It was more uh, with a greater increase and greater increase and greater increase. And over the last five years, um, I've seen my business probably quintuple, if not, I don't even know, know sextuple or bigger than that. And I've not only just the, 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 the amount of clients, but the value that they're willing to pay for the same thing that I was doing. And, and it's because of sewing. I would say that the two things that have helped me the most at this church are discipleship and sowing, honestly. 100% those two things partnered in your life will change your life. Um, but I, something that I was, he had asked me earlier if I would share, and something that I was encouraged, I wanted to encourage you guys with the first fruits, the other beautiful thing of doing it, because we can walk away from today or this week whenever you're you know we're getting it together and, and, and sowing it and Say, oh, well, I'll do it next week, or I'll do more this year. But when you make a big decision and take a big risk, the level of expectation goes up for what you see God doing in your life. Kind of like when you're around your birthday time. I know for me, I'm like freaking out. or my friends going to kidnap me and surprise me with something? Like every, I'm expecting that to happen because that's the culture of our friendship and our relationship where we like to bless each other. But in the same way, um, if you sow something significant, then all year you're going to be looking and expecting for the blessing to come. Right. Rather than what I used to do, which was, oh, God, I'm, I don't know. I'm not going to pay. rent." Right? Instead, it's like, where's the next big check coming from, God? Because I know you got more and I know and you know that I'm going to give it to you. So you just I'm a conduit to you. So that's what we need to learn how to do. And I didn't have that when I came to this church. Um, and my and, and it took someone like Andrew that was going to say, just wait till you're making this amount of money. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I'm freaking out because it was 10 times more than I thought that could be possible. And that and that keeps going. That's the way God's speaking over us. So I just want to encourage you guys with that. Really good. Thank you.
0: Not trying to create an envy situation here because God's not partial. He'll do for you what he'll do for anyone else. I'm just trying to show you that no matter who you are, where you've come from, stop being legalistic and stingy with God so that he can stop being legalistic and stingy with you. And that's scriptural. And the same measure you pour out will be poured back to you is what the Bible tells you. And so if you want God to be a certain way, you want God to be generous. And that's what I want. This is not designed, if you're sitting there going, man, I just don't know about this. I feel suspicious. Close your wallet. We love you. This is awesome. We're super glad you're here. This is not to get anyone's money. It's not. It's to get you to connect with God on a greater level. God is a God of giving. Jesus talked about money. Top three subjects was money. That should tell you something. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is. If you are locking up and freezing up, saying, I don't know about this, that means that your trust is actually in money, and that's even a greater reason to give. Because sometimes you need to give to destroy your reliance on money. God, you're my God, and money's not my God. See, when I first came here, and I was like, oh, man, America's the prosperous nation. I got here, and in a recession had just happened, and everyone was freaking out. And I started talking about this stuff, and people started just tripping out on me. The room would go ice cold. So I just keep doing it anyway because I'm a Holy Ghost bulldozer. <laughs> and you know, what? Really, you know what really it takes? It just takes one person to get it. And then everyone else sees it and they start to be moved. If God will do that for them, they'll do it for me. Don't be like Cain that gets, that gets envious and starts to hate the person that's actually operating in the blessing. This is what God came to Cain. He's like, why are you so downcast? If you do well, Will you not be accepted? Interesting. I wrote a book about this, so I'm relatively well versed in this topic. <laughs> Stop being so afraid of money. At no point are we to worship money. Trust God with it. Even if look, I have had moments where God where I've had next to nothing. And you just start thinking that God's being unfair because he reaches his hand out and says, I want all of it. Because you don't understand his nature. I've had moments where I've had money set aside for things that mattered a lot to me. And God tapped me on the shoulder and he's like, see that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's really awesome, isn't it? I've been working on that for so long. And then there's this long, cold silence and God's like, I want it. (laughs) And that's brutal. If you don't understand his nature. Because the only time that God wants something from you is in order to qualify Him and you to give you something greater. You've got to understand that. With everything on this planet and in the universe, God spoke into creation with words, except for Adam. With Adam, God needed seed. Get this. He had to pick up clay or mud or whatever your translation says. He had to pick it up and He had to shape it. Right? He had to shape it. He didn't just say, let there be Adam. (laughs) He needed seed and he picked it up. He shaped it. But the shaping in his hand, get this, was not enough. He needed to put spirit breath into that shape in order for it to be blessed and lived. What's in your hand is not enough. It needs to get into God's hands so he can put spirit breath in it so that it can live and come back to you. This is an amazing thing to me is that we want to believe that God can do whatever he wants. And that is true partially. But God is limited in your life based on your willingness to partner and sacrifice to him and give him the seed that he needs to create your breakthrough. And if we can get this, what we actually become is we become God worshippers rather than money slaves. That's why Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is the demonic principality of money. If you really want to know what mammon is, because some translations translate it the world. It's not. Mammon is the demon God of money. Go do your theology research if you don't believe me. I'm just trying to keep it simple. You either love the one and hate the other or you'll serve the one and despise the other. See, money is great if you use it well. But if your money is your focus, then it becomes your God and you will disconnect from God. That's why it's so important. God, I give you my first fruits. Bless 2019. Bless everything I touch. Show me when deals are going wrong. Cause me to walk in the way of your path. I want to honor you with my life. Cause opportunities to open up, God. I ask that in the areas of relationships, you would bless me. Single people, that doors would open up, spouses would come, that debt would be broken in Jesus' name. If we could have that screen up with the giving... If the person could put the, the, Jake, if you could just put the, the, the giving details. And Dan, if you could start passing out the envelopes. I want you, some of you, we've, we let you know in advance because we want to pray thoughtfully about what God wants. Now, there are moments where God says in the scripture, let each one give according to the determination of their heart. In other words, God's giving you the option to bless him. But there's a level above that. The level above that is when you start to operate in trust and faith on another level and you say, Holy Spirit, everything I have belongs to you anyway. What do you want? And it's a scary question because you are losing control. Good. Good. Because that fear is actually the part of you that still believes that that money belongs to you. And so that's the time to ask God anyways, God, what exactly would you like? And, you know, you guys ever seen those little Tom and Jerry cartoons? I had Tom and Jerry when I was a kid and there'd be a little demon angel that showed up on one, one shoulder and a little angelic angel on the other. And, you know, they'd be both whispering the things to do into Tom's ear or Jerry's ear. And, you know, sometimes what happens is we're asking God this and, we, and we're like, what do, we, what do you want, God? And you'll hear a high number and a low number. <laughs> I've learned to go with the high number. I've learned to go with the high number. You can never outgive God. This is a really great scripture for those of you that are struggling with fear right now. God is no man's debtor. You cannot give to God and think that he's going to owe you. You ever, ever loan money to someone? I know that's everyone in this room. You loan money to someone and they said, I'm good for it, man, I'm good for it. Never paid you back? We've all had that bad experience. Horrible. God will never do that. But when God repays, he doesn't just give back what you gave him. It comes back to you pressed down, shaken together, running over. comes back 30, 60, 100-fold. I want hundredfold. If I'm going to transact with heaven, if I'm going to transact with my father and 30 folders on the table, which to start with, entry level is better than Wall Street. Entry level is infinitely better than Wall Street. But if hundredfold's available, I'm going top shelf. (laughs) Why would you want to go low shelf if you can get top shelf? So ask God and have a moment with him and contend with heaven. God, I don't want to be a Cain, because check this out. Cain still brought God an offering. That's an interesting thought. He still brought God something of value. But it wasn't what God wanted. We've got to ask God what he wants. We've got to learn that all the silver and the gold belongs to him, so my little stinking bank account that I think is so important is just a pipsqueak. So I might as well just surrender and yield now, and if God wants it, or God wants a certain thing, he can have it. Because when you do, watch out. You ever seen one of those movies where the dam breaks and the whole town gets flooded? That's the kind of power that's getting ready to be unleashed over you. If you'll just trust God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So ushers, if you guys could start walking around, taking up the offering. And as you give, you have that moment with God. God, I give you all. God, accept my offering. Accept my giving. I ask that 2019, you would breathe on this year like you breathed into Adam that you would cause the things that have been holding me back, the buffeting of the enemy to be destroyed. I was praying the other morning and I said, God, remember my tithe because you said that because of my tithe, you would rebuke the devourer. you got things trying to devour you. you got things trying to steal your finances. you got things trying to show up and take from your pocket, maybe unexpected bills, things that shouldn't be happening, crazy fees, whatever that looks like. Because of my tithe, God rebuked the devourer. That's the kind of covenant I want to be walking in. I want to be walking in a covenant where when the devil shows up and he tries to get sneaky and crafty and steal from me or buffet me or slow me down, God stands up off the throne and shouts at him and says, Get away from Andrew. He's with me. We have an agreement. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You see, anything that God does, the devil tries to counterfeit. You know, gangs, they do this thing called protection money. That's a really low level. I need to be careful what language I use. It's a really low level shot. But for me, I'm blessing my father. And automatically, I have the armies of heaven and rank around me. I like that. I like that. That's that's the side. If I'm going to fall on any side, I'm going to fall on the side that of generous, generosity towards God. That's where I want to be found. I don't want to be found on the side of like, oh, we've got bills this month, Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus hanging on the cross? Just watch The Passion of the Christ. Just go get the video, The Passion of the Christ, and play it. And while he's hanging there on your TV screen, you look at him and say, I just got a few bills this month, Jesus. Just a little busy this month, Jesus. (laughs) Try and do it. Try and let those words come out of your mouth. I dare you. I hope they don't. But anyways, we're going to give to God right now. Father, we thank you. We bring you the best that we can right now. And God, compared to your heaven, it's nothing. But our heart is attached to our giving. And we ask that you would accept our giving and that you would breathe on it, God. You would breathe on it and you would cause it to grow. And for a harvest this year, I pray, God, that this year, 2019, Dwelling Place, OC, would be full of testimonies that shock everyone. That that would just start going off like popcorn in here where we would just start hearing stories left and right, crazy breakthroughs, not just in finances, but in relationships. That single people would, would find the right one. The Isaacs, not the Ishmaels, God. That debts would be destroyed and canceled in Jesus' name. That promotions would come. That financial miracles would take place. That businesses would happen. That... That promotions would happen, God. That contracts would increase in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Relationships would be restored in Jesus' name. But also, God, we ask in our seed that souls would be added to the kingdom like we've never seen before. We ask you. Now, that's one you have to give us, God, because that's in your interest. That's in your interest. We ask you as part of our seed harvest that souls would be saved and added to the kingdom. In... in in a multiplication like we've never witnessed before, not even in stories. Let us start to witness it this year, God. Let us start to see the flooding of sons and daughters running to your presence. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. 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 Love you, Jesus. Well, we love you guys. We're gonna close the service right now. This has been an awesome day. Now, do this one thing. Today, Monday morning, during the week, and for the rest of the year, you keep speaking life over the seed you've just sown. Don't let regret come out of your mouth. You have to speak life. I've heard stories about uh, people that grow plants and they speak over the plants. And then there's other plants where they speak horrible things over the plants. And the plants that had horrible words spoken died. And the plants that have had words of life and encouragement spoken flourished and, and had unusual growth. That's part of David Hogan's secret with his orange trees. He speaks the word of God over them, lays hands on them. Speak the word of God over the seeds that you sow and speak life over those seeds and ask God to move miraculously on your behalf. And when the enemy shows up, don't go to God and say, you let this happen. You lift it up and say, God, because of my seed, I have protection. Amen? Amen. You guys be blessed. Fellowship. Greet someone. Love on someone that's new or that you haven't met before.